I'm just curious. Uh, today, we're, we're starting this series today, actually, and it, it's, it'll be fun. Next week, we do have a guest speaker. His name is, uh, his name is Austin Westlake. The youth have heard him a number of times. Uh, he's, he's a phenomenal speaker. He was actually in my youth group back in the day at Sheffield. His dad is the pastor, and his grandfather is the one who kind of founded that church and got it rolling, and so I'm really excited about that. But today, I want to talk to you for just, just a minute about sharing Jesus, the good news about Jesus. I mean, do, I know you said, but do, do we really need to do that? I mean, isn't it just good that we know? I mean, just us? I don't know if you caught this, but Victoria very authentically said y'all a few times. Did you catch that? <laughs> uh, isn't it good enough that just y'all get it? We all get it? We-ins, right? All y'all and us? I mean, isn't that enough? That we're in there? I mean, I, I think about it sometimes, like, why do, we, why do we tell anybody at all? I mean, is it really important that they know about Jesus and the healing that's available? Is it really that big a deal that they could know about peace with God? I mean, real peace with God where everything's taken care of and you don't have to worry about anything and then peace with each other. Is that, isn't it good enough that just we know? No one with me here today? I mean, isn't it, isn't it okay that it's just us? I mean, if you guys have experienced this, I, to me, one of the things that blows me away the most is the forgiveness. The fact that I don't have to worry or, or carry around guilt for things I've done. I mean, the enemy reminds me sometimes, and then, and then I just remind him and myself, done, fixed, final, paid for. Not only that, that we can have relationships with each other and I can forgive offenses other people have caused because he's forgiven me. But isn't it good enough that that's just us, right? We don't have to share that, right? I mean, isn't it okay that you, you've already gotten that? But I mean, think about all the things, the grace extended that we don't deserve, the mercy that Jesus has given us, the comfort. How about the presence of the Holy Spirit? I mean, isn't it good enough just we get him? That he's there with us. You know, the old concept, the Old Testament concept was you had to go where God was. And I, I'm glad you're in church. I'm glad you're watching online. But this isn't holy. It's holy because he's here, but he's everywhere. He's in us. But that's good enough for just us, right? I mean, you don't need to share that. I mean, if you got it, isn't that good enough? I mean, why, why would you tell anybody? I mean, I get it. I mean, isn't it good enough that that you have this comforter, this advocate that is always there. You're never alone. You never have to be alone. But it's good enough for us. Isn't it good enough that we have freedom from fear? I mean, the future isn't fearful for us at all because we know who holds the future. And isn't that good enough just for us? I mean, right? I don't have to worry about who's elected in November. I don't have to worry about what's going on in Russia or Pyongyang or right? I mean, ultimately, I don't have to worry because I have peace and you have peace, right? And that's good enough for us, right? No one else needs that, right? I don't feel like you're with me here today. I feel like this is a hostile environment here. (laughs) Isn't it good enough that we don't have to worry about whatever the next pandemic is or we don't have to worry about the thing that whatever is rolling out, taxes and, you know, what's going to happen to our kids and school and Isn't it good enough that we have confidence in salvation? I mean, I know where I'm going. I'm not worried about that. 
I mean, I know it sounds weird to some people, but that's, that's them. And, and you probably understand this, and it's good enough that you know I'm not worried about that. I mean, I know that we cling on to life, and I've, I've been with people who are close to death who don't know. And, and the fear is palpable. But I've also been with believers who know, and they're ready, right? But that's good enough for us, right? I mean, why would you share that? Because we, we are, we're all good. I mean, the idea that we have these brothers and sisters in Christ, and as Victoria mentioned, there is no barrier in Christ, slave or free, Greek, Greek Jew or Greek, male or female, right? But that's just, that's just good enough for us. I mean, the world can do whatever it wants, right? The idea that we have a place to serve, and I love this concept, that we have people. You, ever, you know that concept? You know what I'm talking about? Somebody, this last week, somebody said, I can tell these are your people. And I just felt this sense of safe and completeness. You, you know what I mean? I mean, you're my, my people. But it's good enough that we keep that here, right? Us four and no more, you ever heard that? I mean, we're all good, right? We don't need to get more people. Plus, if we had more people, wouldn't it, it would change things, right? Something would have to change, and I'm not sure I would like it as much because I like it how it is. I had this really good friend of mine. He, uh, he's, such a, he's a funny guy in so many ways. I remember we used to go out for coffee all the time. That was just a big deal. I mean, I don't, anybody remember back when you could drink coffee at midnight and it didn't keep you awake? All right, well, it was those days. So this guy, and I liked coffee. I mean, I always drank coffee, but he used cream which I never really use cream in my coffee unless I'm getting a latte or something, but even then. But so he, he would get a coffee cup like that, and then what he would do is drink it down to about right there. So it was about that full, and then he'd put one creamer in. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, this is the perfect mix right here. I don't want two creamers because then I need more coffee. But it's because I drink it down to here and one creamer is enough. And so if a server might happen to get in there and put, you know, fill it up a little bit, he would lose his mind. Like, oh my gosh, you just messed up my mix. And I remember, I knew it was coming. There's a bunch of times where I saw the server come and I just let it happen because I would enjoy the show because <laughs> his mix was messed up. That's kind of like us though, right? Because you don't want to add people to this mix because we're all good, right? I like it how it is. Got enough friends. We got enough room. You can sit wherever you want. You can move around. And if more people were here, wouldn't it be a little awkward? I mean, you may not even like them as much as you like these people. It's good though, right? Isn't it okay to do it that way? Because really, if you think about it, they don't want to hear about it anyway, do they? I mean, people don't want to know. They don't want their lives disrupted. I mean, they already think you're nuts, right? They already think you don't get it, and they already think you're kind of judgy, so why add to it, right? I mean, why, why make it more awkward, because already, it's already kind of weird sometimes, right? And they're happy how they are. Now, you know their lifestyle is going to kill them. But if they don't want to hear it, I mean, and you just want to go along to get along, right? You don't want to stir the pot. You don't want to rock the boat. I don't know how many more of those analogies I can do, but, right? We just want it to be all cool, and you do you, I'll do me, and it's okay. It's awkward, Right? Have you ever seen someone wandering like at a store or something? You can tell they're lost. You ever seen that? Do you go tell them? Do you ever offer help? I mean, I know you don't work there, but I mean, you've been there enough to know. You know where the salt and pepper are or something, right? What do, what do you do? 
Do you tell them? Do you help them? I mean, sometimes they don't even look like you want to t- they want to talk to anybody, right? Or you just leave them alone and let them wander. I mean, might as well, right? Because it's somebody else's job, right? I mean, if somebody else would be better for it. Somebody else knows all the right answers. Somebody else could help them better than you anyway, so just let them do it. I, it reminds me of that old, that, you probably heard this before, but I, every time I read it, it makes me laugh. Have you ever heard the story about the four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody? I mean, that's their names. Everybody, somebody, anybody, nobody. So there was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. And anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. So somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. And then everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. So it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. So true story, I was on my way into Price Chopper, the one uh, down in Blue Springs, or Grain Valley, Grain Valley, the new one. And I was walking there, this was a late, it was summer afternoon, I was walking in and, and I saw this commotion in the doorway. You know, the doors open automatically and there was all this commotion. Well, what had happened is this lady had fallen right in the doorway. And I was a few people behind her and I was just, I mean, I was like, oh my gosh. Do you, you know how to tell if you're old? Is if you fall down and people laugh or not. If they laugh, you're not old yet. She was old. And people were stepping over her to get into Price Shopper. And she was humiliated. She was embarrassed. Um, she, she couldn't quite get up. And um, she was confused, disoriented. So I went to help her up. And I realized right away, I'm not going to be able to help her up. I mean, unless somebody's like, you know, 50 pounds, it's pretty hard to help a person up. And, um, you know, I helped her get out of the way. And then I stayed with her till her daughter came. And then they had to get the paramedics. And then, you know, I, I let them do what they needed to do. And I realized in the moment, I couldn't really help her the way I wanted to. I didn't have all the answers. But I did have something and I was able to help her at least get out of the way and then stay with her and calm her down. You know, and I told her what everybody needs to hear in the moment. You're okay. And she was super embarrassed. I'm like, hey, this happens to everybody every once in a while. You're going to be fine. You know, she was worried that, you know, people were in the way. I said, they're fine. They're getting in here. It's okay. I wasn't the one that really helped her more, though, Right? I did what I could do, and then other people helped her the way they, they could help her. And I know what ended up happening is a lot of people helped her, and they all did their little part, but my part was like this big, which is fine. <laughs> I kept thinking about it, like I didn't do anything. And then she was trying to find me to thank me, and I, didn't, I honestly did this much, like this. I thought about it, I thought... That's kind of like sharing your faith with people. It's kind of like sharing your beliefs with people. Because I understand the people who walked by her. I get it. Maybe they felt awkward. She's laying on the ground. She's uncomfortable. They didn't know what to do. They didn't have all the answers. They couldn't make it perfect or right. I get it. I get that. They knew. They, I don't want to think they didn't care because I don't think that's true. I don't, I don't want to think that about people, right? So, 
if I'm going to make this analogy and make it about sharing your faith, a little bit of a leap, but not really. Think about this for a second. What are we actually doing when we tell someone about Jesus? What are we doing? What does it actually mean? I'll I'll be honest with you. It's it's a big, big deal. This is eternity. I I know I'm kind of pouring it on thick right here, and I told you an emotional story on purpose. I wanted to get your heart for a minute. I want you to see how big a deal it is. It's eternity. This is not an opinion. It's not if. It's forever. It's not like... Have you ever been walking and you see someone come out of the bathroom and they got toilet paper on the shoe? How many of you seen that? How many of it was you? It was you. <laughs> Some people raise, <laughs> surprise anybody raise your hand. Because what happens when that happens? You know the awkwardness of it because you're like, hey, hey, because uh, you don't want to say it sometimes because you know what's going to happen is they're going to be super embarrassed. And you don't want to be the one that caused the embarrassment, but you know if you let it go on, it's going to be more embarrassment later and then somebody's finally going to tell them and they're halfway across the store. How about when somebody has cilantro on their teeth? You know how it is. You're talking to them and you're looking at them and you can't hop, not look, but you're trying to make eye contact and you keep getting drawn away because it's just like waving at you. <laughs> right? And then you start to wonder, it's been a minute since lunchtime. How long has that been that way? And who else knows them better that didn't think, hey, I should tell them, Right? And if you tell them, you know it's going to be super embarrassing because you know they know that other people talked to them and saw it and didn't say anything. So what do you do? Okay, let's make it more awkward. I almost put this on light the other day because, well, anybody been walking around and then realize your zipper's been down like all day? Or not all day, but, you know. And you wonder like, oh God, did anybody notice this? And you're just embarrassed Or have you been the one to see it in somebody and you're like, do I tell them? You guys, none of that matters, right? But it's the same kind of awkwardness. What I'm talking about is eternity forever. It matters where they spend eternity. Now look, I know the pressure. I mean, I love the stories you were telling and the idea that you told somebody and they ended up coming back and then telling other people. That's how it works. If I was interviewing Victoria, oh God, I, I, I might ask, how in the world, and what did you say, and all that. Well, let me, let's get back to basics, though. What do people have to know to believe? I mean, what's the bottom line? And I'm not trying to make it like, what's the least I can do and still go to heaven, but I'm asking you, what is it that people need to know? What is it that keeps you from saying something that you... You've experienced these things, and you appreciate it, but what is it that they have to know? I mean, what do you have to believe? What do you you need to know to be 100% sure you're going to heaven? What does it take? What are you saved from? We talk about that all the time, but what are you saved from? I'll tell you, I, I saw this quote again. It's a version of stuff I've heard before, but... Christ doesn't accept you as you are. He welcomes you as you are. And then he starts to change your life and he promises his life for yours. It is a trade. You you submit to him and you don't carry the weight of the old life. That's the good news. I think sometimes we're hesitant to tell people because 
Maybe we don't understand how great a thing it is. Maybe it's been so long that you don't understand the change. And what I'm talking about is, yes, you need to believe in him as the Savior, but not like how most Americans use the word believe. Because a lot of times believe just means, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, in my mind, it doesn't change anything, but I believe this thing. What I'm talking about is a belief that literally changes the way you act, your value system, the way you value things, what you choose to do. The belief actually changes everything. And in the process, what it means is, I believe he's the savior, so therefore I'm going to submit my life to him and live for him rather than me. Tim Keller said it this way, to stay away from Christianity because part of the Bible's teaching is offensive to you assumes that if there is a God, he wouldn't have any view that upsets you. He, he, he's God, not me. We're made in his image, not make, we're not making him in our image. It really comes down to a trust issue. Do you trust him that he's good? Do you trust that the God who we're talking about has a way of life that's better for you than yours? It's it. It's a trust issue. And what's funny about that is we trust, we trust people with things that do matter. Have you thought about this before? Does anybody here know how to fly a plane? Well, how many of you have been in a plane? You're trusting someone you've never met, and most of the time you don't ever see them. I always look around. I want to see who's flying that plane. You know, you're walking in and the, the, uh, the stewards are there, standing there, and you're, I'm always craning my neck. I want to see who's at the controls here. Like it would matter. Like I have any idea. I still sit there and I literally trust him with my entire life. Do you guys get that? And what we're talking about is the same thing, but with Jesus Christ, the one who came and died for you. Can you trust him with your life? We do it with so many things in our world. Anybody ridden in an Uber or a taxi? I mean, you don't know that guy. You never met him before, and yet you're giving him your life. You're trusting these chairs you're sitting in. Maybe not Gary. One time I was shaking hands with Gary, and I, he leaned back to shake my hand. I shook his hand, and the chair broke. And he literally I felt so bad. You trust him? This is talking about trusting in a way that is everything. It's more than just belief. It's more than the American belief thing. And, it, and James points this out. At one point, James says, you have faith, for you believe that there's one God. Well, good. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. The fact is, it's not just belief. It's changed life. It's you saying, I submit my life. You know the devil has good theology, right? He knows who God is. He just doesn't trust him with his life. Uh, there's a story, you know, you know the, the, the disciples, they, they struggled, even though they walked with Jesus, they struggled with their faith at different times. Jesus wasn't looking for you just to say, yeah, he's God. He wanted you to say, yes, he's God, and now he runs my life. It's a different thing. So you probably know the story, but after Jesus' resurrection, there was a point where he was appearing to the disciples, and Thomas wasn't there. And for whatever reason, Thomas says, I don't believe. I'm not going to believe he raised from the dead until I put my finger in the holes where the spear pierced him and the holes in his hands. So Jesus appears to him, which is awesome, and says, go ahead, do it. And Thomas exclaims, and what he says is powerful. He says, my Lord and my God. He calls Jesus God. My Lord and my God. But not just God, Lord, 
And what Lord meant to them means way more than us. I mean, we don't have lords. We have overlords, maybe. I'm just kidding. But, but we don't. We're Americans. When he said Lord, what he meant was, you are in charge of my life. And you are God. I get it now. And he was a total submission. It wasn't just a mental thing. It was a total submission. And the way John follows up here, he says, Jesus says to him, well, it's great that you believe, but blessed are those who are going to come after and believe. Then he says, but these are written, John's writing this, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. You will have life. But do we really need to tell everybody? Because isn't it good that we all are good? I mean, if we're good, is it just for you? Is it just for your family? Is it just for the people you like? Have you ever thought about this? I mean, if you had the cure to cancer, would you just keep it inside? Would you just not tell anybody? I mean, you would tell people, right? Even if they didn't want to know, you'd still tell them. Even if they thought, well, no, I got this handled or it's not that bad, you would still want to tell them because you knew it was life and death. You would tell them. Here's a funny thing about it, too. It doesn't change. It, it makes things better. It's, it's like that idea that a candle doesn't lose any of its light by lighting another candle. The fact is, you're spreading a light to people who desperately need it, just like you have it. And they can share in the same beauty of it that you have shared about it. So why don't we talk about it? If you've never read anything by A.W. Tozer, anything he writes is deep and spiritual and beautiful. He said this, the things that are closest to our hearts are the things we talk about. And if God is close to your heart, you will talk about him. It's facts. Sorry. I know for some of you, you're like, ouch, Pastor Dennis. Sorry. Sorry. God... Greg, Greg uh, Smith shared a devotion in Ironman last Tuesday. It was so on point. I just want to share a couple excerpts from it. Victoria said it this way, who's your Cornelius? I'm just going to ask you this. Who's your Cornelius today? Who is it that God has prepared for you to talk to? So let's, very quickly, I want to go again to John, but in John 4, Jesus and his disciples, he was exhausted And he said to them, they're on their way to Jerusalem, and he says, we have to go through Samaria. And you may have heard this before, but a lot of Jews wouldn't go into Samaria. They had race issues. They had religion issues. It was big issues, big. So much so that most Jews would add a day day to their travels just to avoid Samaria. But Jesus had to go there. I believe sincerely he had a divine appointment there. And I believe that even though she was unaware He wanted to meet this person who needed him. And the fact is, each and every one of you, you have people in your lives that only you could meet, only you could reach. And I believe this also with my own heart. I I believe that there's days where I'm not paying attention and I'm tired and I'm missing opportunities because I'm just wrapped up in me and I've got good news that can change somebody's eternal destiny. And on the other hand, when I'm aware and watching God does create divine appointments. In this case, it's interesting because the divine appointment location was also something God orchestrated. It was a well, and it was outside a town like most wells are. And this well, it was in the midday, the disciples had gone in, and this lady comes by herself to draw water. It's interesting because that wouldn't be the typical time, and she's all alone, and Jesus is all alone. What I love about this is it's also... 
um, he, there was a purpose there beyond what she could imagine. So right away he asks for a drink and she, she says something to him about race and gender because a, a Jewish rabbi would never speak to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. She knew the rules. But Jesus, Jesus didn't play by our rules. Jesus saw a daughter who was desperate and her needs were deep and her thirst went way beyond water. Her thirst was something deep in her soul and he had the answer. If I could invite our uh, piano player to come up. What's cool about it is even in his weariness, he talks with her. Her needs were more important than his. His needs superseded his in the moment. I mean, you could rationalize. I mean, it is Jesus. But certainly he could have waited till the disciples got there and he, they could have took care of it. But no. It's amazing. And what's cool about it, the way he describes to her what he is offering her is a beautiful description of what the Christian life should be. Listen to what he says. She's, they're talking about water. And then he tells her, anyone who drinks of this water talking about the well water, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. And it becomes, I love this part, a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. That's what we have. Why keep it to ourselves? That's what we have. And it's an opportunity. You have an opportunity every day to share that with somebody who only you could. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe it's somebody you bump into all the time. I don't know. I don't know who it is. All I know is it's this. And every time she throws roadblocks up in his way, cultural things, race issues, he just blows right by that to the serious spiritual need that she had. He didn't get sidetracked by those things. He stays unfocused the whole time. It's a really fascinating story because even in the middle of it, he reveals himself as Messiah to her, to her. Not to a bunch of Jews, not to the religious leaders, not to those who were wealthier and in power, but to her. Somebody who was an outcast. It's interesting because there's so many people that you encounter on a daily basis who are deeply, deeply thirsty. They may not even be aware. They may not know what's going to satisfy that thirst, but you do. You have it. You have the living water. You could share with them. And it's something that would be a bubbling spring within them that would just change everything. It's so sad, isn't it, though? Because the world, they chase so deeply and desperately after things that you know will not satisfy. You know that. You know it won't help them. You know that whatever it is that the world values, whether it's status or money or power or beauty or all these things that are so transient, they won't satisfy. You know that. It's a beautiful story because Jesus stayed two days with them. Here he says, we're on our way to Jerusalem, but I got to go through Samaria first. And then he spends two days with people who are outcasts, pariahs, overlooked, unimportant. And just like Victoria said, it's because with God, there's no difference. No longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male nor female. We're all one in Christ. So what do you have that's worth sharing with these people? Let me just ask you, rhetorically, what do you have? Have you been forgiven? They need forgiveness. Are you loved? They need loved. Are you chosen? Yes, 
you are. Do you have a friendship with God? Yes, you do. Are you alive? Are you free? Ultimately free? Yes, you are. Are you a treasured possession? Yes, you are. And it's not just for you. It's not. It's not and not, not. Peter said this. He said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I'm gonna ask you to shut your eyes with me for a moment. I want you to shut your eyes because it just helps to be, feel like you're alone and it's just between you and God and maybe my voice. And I want you to think about that question that Victoria asked, who is your Nicodemus? I promise that there's somebody, somebody, somebody that you are the one that they can, re- that can reach them. And even, even though they may not realize they're praying, they're crying out, maybe in their ignorance, they're crying out to the universe, or maybe it's just a quiet thought, why is this happening to me? Why is life like it is? And you have the answer. You literally have the answer that could change their life. You could be the very answer to prayer. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Just like that lady at Price Chopper, all I did was a little thing. Sometimes that's all it takes is one answer, maybe just being there, maybe just comforting them. And then when they turn to you and say, what is different about you? What is it that makes you different? Maybe they have a question and you, you just tell them. Maybe you don't have an answer, but you're able to say, I don't know, but I can find that out. What I want to do today and for the next few weeks, I want us to think about who is your Nicodemus? I mean, not Nicodemus. Who is your Cornelius? Who is the one that you need to talk to? Who is it? What I'd like you to do is um, take a moment. And if you would like, if you would stand with me, we're going to take a time to pray at the altars here. If you need prayer for anything, maybe it's that person. You want help praying for them. And maybe you want help just knowing what God would do. Maybe you need healing for something. Maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit and today you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you come forward? And those that are prepared to help us pray, if you'd come down and we want to pray with you this morning, take some time to pray. We'll be patient down here. We'll pray with you. And then Pastor Nick will close our service in just a moment. I do want to pray with you though as you're coming. I want to pray for those who, who God is putting on your heart for the divine appointments. But if you want prayer for anything, please come out right now and we'll pray. God, we're grateful that you have saved us and we don't want to keep it for ourselves. God, we, we care about the people that we see every day, the, the family, the friends, the acquaintances that we are around. And we ask in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, that you would set up these divine appointments, these opportunities to talk to them and Maybe be a friend or maybe just have an answer or, or maybe just, maybe we're the one that, that they would come to wanting to know about you. And God, that you would give us not only that opportunity, then help us to be faithful to do that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please come if you'd like prayer for anything.